The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition Sox Machine Live. I am Josh Nelson alongside Jim Margulis. It is Monday, February 5th, as we are live streaming at 12 o'clock on Twitter, on our YouTube page at youtube.com and also on SoxMachine.com. No, th- I wouldn't consider this an emergency podcast because usually that relates to things that the Chicago White Sox have done. And the White Sox were busy this week, and they did make two trades, which we will chime on those trades in a moment here in this show. But we have a very big announcement to make at SoxMachine.com. We've been teasing this announcement all weekend, and we appreciate everybody joining us on the live stream as we make this announcement and I pass it over to our managing editor, Jim Margulis, uh, to tease the announcement. For one minute longer, yeah. It's, it's not Josh shaving, which would normally be <laughs> what we'd lead this show with. Uh, but yes, this is an announcement that's been well, like seven months or so in the making. Uh, didn't really come together until like the last couple weeks, and we are thrilled to present it to you. And hopefully I can finally sleep after this because it's really been something that's keeping up at night for all the good reasons. And here is our announcement. Welcome to Sox Machine, James Vegan. As he takes a swig. <laughs> I, it's not, are you not exci- alcohol. Yeah, thank you. I, it would be very fitting. That's the Ron White Sox podcast. Uh, <laughs> but welcome, James, to Sox Machine. Uh, that was not, um, that did not make me more embarrassed than the, the score <laughs> intro where they had me talking to. Tony La Russa. Um, though at a certain point when they were playing that, it was like after I had just laid off and uh, 
Rakan had been fired, so it was like Larusa was the only current member like affiliated <laughs> with the White Sox as part of the intro. But th- this was this was this is more more charming. I I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Uh, if if uh, if getting fired and having everyone talk about you uh, like you're dying is like being at your own funeral, this is kind of like being at your own birth where everyone's excited and you're just <laughs> bewildered. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to continue baseball writing. I'm uh, I'm thrilled to have been part of a seven month recruitment process or been the subject of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This reminds me of like every time that the White Sox signed, like, uh, I think like Steve Ciszek was like, the White Sox called me on like the first day of free agency and then they kept at it. Like every, every time there's like been a, a marginal talent that, you know, there wasn't a bombshell offer to bring over, but just they had, you know, repeated and uh, adamant interest on. I, I, I feel as honored as, as Steve Ciszek right now. <laughs> well, we consider you not a bigger Steve addition C-Shack, than right. Steve Ciszek. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I can last uh, through September uh, more than he was able to. But So, uh, Jim? Yeah, I'm, want... I'm overjoyed to, to be joining you guys. Uh, I, I'm a loyal reader, um, and now I can uh, be less of a lurker and, uh, you know, someone who contributes and uh maybe you, to, to start off as being someone who read this and be like man how do i ever ever write like socks machine or ever you know have a blog that's as cogent and incisive as this to now where you guys feel like i'm i'm a helpful part of this or enhances what you do it's um it's, it's crazy um 14 years is a long time uh, apparently but um i'm really i'm really you know touched the the way you guys have ever wanted me to be part of this the uh, you know ever since um last june so jim you want to walk through as far as everybody watching and listening right now what does this mean for socks machine how is this going to change our coverage what does this mean for socks machine it means lots of things uh it no longer means that james and i will write about the same thing from different angles and then be like oh you wrote it better or oh you know he had something i had or i had something he didn't have we'll be able to you know text each other in advance to say like, Hey, have you noticed this? Can you talk to this person? Maybe I should write this and then you can talk to this person about it. We can, we can attack our normal coverage. You know, my blogging, his reporting, uh, from, you know, more comprehensive angles. Also the big component of this is James will be a fully credentialed, uh, beat writer for us for the season. That means going to spring training. That means covering all the White Sox games, uh, you know, as possible guaranteed rate field. That means going on the road once in a while, depending on the level of support we receive on Patreon as this uh, mission expands. And hopefully, you know, everybody uh, tags along for the ride and helps us build it out. We will send them on the road as often as we can. We do want to uh, replicate the traditional, established media outlet experience of having a beat writer both at home and on the road to get like the fully fleshed out stories and the kind of trust and the conversations you get from not only being you know at the home games but also being on the road uh with players and they see the dedication and they understand what he's all about and we want to bring that socks machine so we're going to have a couple of road trips early t- as a proof of concept but then as we go along you know the amount that we can send james uh is dependent uh, at least uh you know large part on how much support we get. So as we uh, go along, as we figure out new ways to deploy uh, what is now a three-person unit uh, in different ways, we hope that we'll continue to uh, grow our membership in order to do these things. That's right. Every road game I miss is your fault. Your fault, exactly. America. 
So let's talk about as far as those Patreon tiers and how people could help support us at Sox Machine and help support James. So we've updated the monthly support tiers. So the introduction price is $5 a month or $55 yearly. That will give you full access to all Sox Machine content. And for Patreon supporters, you will get ad-free versions of both the website and the podcast. And you also get 10% off purchases in the Sox Machine store. For those wondering about, is everything going to be behind the paywall? No, but when it's not behind the paywall, they're still going to be advertising on the website. And if you don't subscribe to Patreon, we'll still have the Socks Machine podcast, but you will have those advertiser advertising promotions and other advertising and teasers that we have occasionally inside the episode and also pre and post show. We also have $10 a month, which includes all the $5 benefits, but we'll still have the P.O. Sox mailbag with both Jim and James. And our $10 a month supporters get 20% off store purchases. We've introduced a new tier. The $25 a month tier includes all those benefits, but we'll have a monthly Zoom call with Sox Machine staff. Really informal. These are not going to be uploaded as like a podcast or a video on youtube.com. If you guys have questions about the Chicago White Sox, this will give you access to James to ask him questions of what he is learning when he is at the clubhouse and covering games and tickets to live shows, which we'll talk about our live show in a moment here. That's coming up at the Remova theater while we have some, well, while supplies last, if we sell out in three days, then we don't have tickets for that particular show, but more details to come. And then we still have our veterans committee. Our veterans committee serves as our board of directors for Sox machine and our VCs got to know about this announcement last week. And I think one of the biggest benefits, we have a group chat. So we are constant communication with our VC members and now they have direct access to James. I'm sorry, James, uh, as we added you to that group chat so that there's a lot of benefits to be part of our VC. These are our most diehard supporters of SoxMachine.com. So if you want to help us out at Sox Machine, if you think that there's something that you could bring to the table to help improve in what we do on a daily basis, covering the Chicago White Sox, and in exchange, you have direct access to myself, to Jim, and James. You can contact us about joining the VC. There is a little bit of an interview process to vet you in into that group. But these are the new Patreon support tiers at patreon.com slash socks machine. And the Patreon support is going to greatly appreciate uh, support. And we appreciate, of course, that support. But it's going to greatly help support everything that we do at Socks Machine, including adding James and getting him to cover the Chicago White Sox, much like he did at his previous venture with The Athletic. All right. I'm super excited. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm over caffeinated and also very excited. So again, I want to thank everyone that's already supported Sox Machine over the years on patreon.com. And I know Jim, we, we constantly say this, but for, since we rebooted Sox Machine on January 1st, 2018, and the growth we've already had is in large part to our Patreon supporters, but for this to work, and I think everybody understands just how media is getting gutted right now, especially even, even on the national landscape, no media company is too big to fail, it seems like these days, that the Patreon support isn't going to VCs, uh, it's not going to investors, it's going directly to us to help support those that contribute at Sox Machine covering the White Sox. 
Uh, yeah, no real estate either. Uh, you know, no like large executive tier with the you know big golden parachute buyout. So we have that going for us. We love a golden parachute someday. Don't get me wrong, uh, that would be great. <laughs> but we're not there yet. If you want to help fund our golden parachute, please, uh, by all means, do so. No, but uh, yeah, it's a case of uh, when you look at all the terrible news and like basically over the last two weeks since we've been. Uh, hashing this out and figuring out all the details and such like it's just every day has been a different <laughs> large media company having some form of layoffs or labor strife or closing entirely so like you know it is a chance we're taking but at the same time i think there's no better time to take a chance because of the traditional media model isn't working you know kind of uh narrowing it to a focus of one team with three people whose coverage you trust hopefully uh and enjoy hopefully um might be one way to do it one way to reverse the course so yeah i mean that's the nice thing is that everything uh every dollar that goes to us basically gets put into our coverage you know first to make a living and then to expand it as much as we possibly can yeah so we did get a comment and we got a lot of great comments so far on the youtube channel and also on twitter thank you guys so much for that we did get this question from Steven, James, are you going to be on the podcast much or mainly writing? You and Finelli were awesome. Rest in peace. Yes, James will be on the Sox Machine podcast as well. So everything that we do when James is not traveling or he's stuck in a road press box with terrible Wi-Fi, he'll be with us on the podcast. Uh, I did like the I, comment I that uh, we didn't uh, sign. Uh, we didn't have to sign Fornelli uh, to try to lure James <laughs> over. Alonzo. <laughs> <laughs> the projections on Fornelli were similarly bearish as they were for for Yonder going in that year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned as far as live shows and Patreon, and I do want to send out this reminder as we get into baseball talk here in a moment. Uh, the live podcast, the live show that we're co-hosting with our friends from the 108. We still have tickets available. This is at the brand new Remova Theater off of Halstead, real close to 35th and Halstead. Right now, tickets are just $23. So you go to RemovaChicago.com to purchase your tickets. Or if you're watching this on a computer and your smartphone is free, you could scan the QR code and it takes a direct link for you guys to buy tickets. James will be there with this as well. We'll be making this announcement later today, but also our good friend Lawrence Holmes at Six Over the Score will be joining us as well for that live show. Again, this is going to be Wednesday night, March 27th, the night before opening day, our opening day eve live show at the Remova Theater. We are very excited to be there. It will be one of the first shows in the renew in the new Remova loft. So very excited. And if you have been to our past shows, especially at Reggie's or other venues, uh, you know it's a blast. And it could get very crowded. Usually they sell out. So we're very excited. We can't wait to see everybody at the Remova Theater. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's actually talk some White Sox baseball here. And the Chicago White Sox, as soon as we were done curling, which that was a blast. We even mentioned that. Uh, for our Patreon supporters, we often we have an annual curling meetup. Uh, so we curled on Saturday at Windy City Curling. We get off the sheet, and our friend Pete Hand tells us uh, the Chicago White Sox have just made a trade. They sent what we thought was going to be the new closer for the White Sox, Gregory Santos, to the Seattle Mariners, which caught us by surprise. And then uh, when quote tweeting this, uh, Jeff Pass at ESPN was the first to break the news. Daryl Van Scowen of the Chicago Sun-Times broke the news that the White Sox were sending pitching prospect Christian Mena to Arizona for Dominic Fletcher going to the Chicago White Sox. And what the White Sox got back from Gregory Santos from Seattle, they got Zach Deloach, an outfielder, big power numbers. We'll talk about that in a moment. And also reliever Prelander Barora uh, on the shorter side. He's 5'11", uh, 180 pounds, but he's got some serious heat. His fastball has hit triple digits down in the minor leagues. So, James, let's start with the Seattle Mariners trade first, because I think this one caught most of us by surprise. The White Sox traded Gregory Santos. And logically, it makes sense to cash in on what was a very productive season for Gregory Santos last year. Why not for a reliever that had a career year get something back to help get other pieces as the White Sox have a huge hole in right field? But it is a bit surprising at this stage that a couple of weeks before spring training, the White Sox do make that move, sending Santos to Seattle. What's the impact to the White Sox not having Gregory Santos around? Their uh, likely poor bullpen is now going to be worse uh more assurances of it i mean i I think it's kind of analogous to when they traded tommy canley Mm. he probably was in a similar place service time wise when they they bolded that he had peripherals that made it look like he'd be really good going forward but they just weren't at a point in their cycle where you know holding on to a reliever or betting on him being you know still a really super just you know hoarding relievers in general at this stage that they're at just isn't very as much as like they're adding kind of near-term guys they really haven't made any significant additions in terms of prospects they're for anyone who's less advanced than double a um it's just they're just not a point in a cycle where hoarding relievers i think makes any sense especially when it ended the season with not insignificant injury um cashing on the value of that is just kind of i think what you do at that point and you know you could make an easy case that um baroa is probably at a similar place to where santos was when he arrived um last season if if maybe not as clear of a you know defined plan at least out of what the fix would be to make him as effective as Santos as you know turning him from four seam to sinker seemed to to work for him. Um, I, I think it makes sense as a cash out. 
like like clearly you know gets made reference to having a value of the 69th pick that was superior to them than maybe the current concerns and yeah the the right field situation is just so barren that the you know as we could have you know leading into discussing the other trade you know you can really use it as a clearinghouse for some of these block uh prospects other teams are, are willing to unload of you know find out if this guy is a you know a second division starter or uh you know a, a depth piece or something like that with Deloach and uh Fletcher kind of both offer those possibilities for them. And a reminder and how good Santos was last year, Jim. 60 games, 66 innings. He had 66 strikeouts to 17 walks. He did close five games for the White Sox. He picked up five saves with a 3.39 ERA, an ERA plus of 132, and his FIP was 2.65. And again, Gregory Santos was the best reliever for the Chicago White Sox in 2023. But a point that James just made, like in the return with Seattle, so Zach Deloach put up big power numbers in AAA. What should White Sox fans know about both Zach Deloach and trading Christian Mena, one of the top pitching prospects in the farm system, to Arizona for Dominic Fletcher? Like how does the right field situation look for the White Sox after these two deals? Gavin Sheets shouldn't be a part of it anymore, which I think is really big, really important, kind of checks off a box of like basic competency for Chris Getz in his first offseason. Like there's just no point in having Gavin Sheets go out there, uh, no defensive value and like whatever offensive value he provided was just sapped by his lack of range out there. He tried his best. Like it's no insult to, you know, what he tried to do and he did make himself into a better outfielder than Andrew Vaughn, which is like, you know, we we've seen technically worse, probably Daniel Polka, another guy who was worse out there. So the work did or was reflected to some regard over the course of his couple of years out there, but he hit his very low ceiling. And then as the offensive production just kind of uh, sagged and it was just weak contact, not really manifesting itself in a lot of power, not drawing a ton of walks because pitchers weren't afraid for him uh, afraid of him they just you know there was no point in trotting him out there for another year and month after month it was Andrew Benintendi left Luis Robert Jr. in center and then like who in rights and you look at the outfielder list and it's like either Eloy Jimenez who you know has a hard time running uh full speed for more than uh, 90 feet and Gavin Sheets so like it, the month after month and Brett Phillips is not an answer Rafael Ortega not an answer, Mark Payton, not an answer among the NRI. So they really needed somebody who could actually be a productive use of those at-bats. And now they have two of them. I think Dominic Fletcher would be the first in line because he did produce with them last year with the Diamondbacks uh, until, you know, he had a little bit of a, you know, adjustment to him where he was just hitting like a lot of weak ground balls, but he didn't really get an opportunity to adjust back. So we'll see if he can. Uh, and then like Deloche is there, like had a nice year in triple a elevating the ball more hitting 23 homers also struck out more, more swing and miss in his game. Now that he's elevating. So I think there's probably a period of time where he could use Charlotte to understand uh, how to, you know, whether he can uh, put bat to ball more, in the strike zone, but the contact when he makes contact is good. So I would say Fletcher is plan a, uh, and Deloach is there as like an insurance or like maybe he forces way into the, uh, picture as a fourth outfielder. If Kevin Pillar doesn't work out, uh, the one thing about Fletcher that kind of gives me pause is I was about to write in my recap of the trade that the white Sox, you know, traded away a reliever who had a season ending injury, with Santos, when usually Rick Hahn acquired those guys like Kelvin Herrera, Joe Kelly, uh, just guys who, you know, 
you know, thinking they're buying low or buying mid, uh, saving a couple million to catch a guy back on the upswing. And it turns out they can't throw back to back days for three months or never regain their velocity. So it's unlike Rick Hahn that Chris gets traded away Gregory Santos, but then uh, you have uh, Fletcher coming in. His season ended with a broken finger. So we'll have to see if you know he is back to 100% when spring training comes around or if it's Andrew Benintendi to where like he's missing some pop and it takes a couple months to explain why. Or it takes everyone a couple months to explain to everyone else why Andrew Benintendi is not hitting for power, right? That was the Zach Remillard game, wasn't it? And that we learned at least that series in Seattle that, oh, by the way, Andrew Benintendi is admitting that his Hammond injury that he suffered the season before is still impacting him. And everyone at the same time is like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's why he's not hitting for power. Boom. Ben attendee then finally hits his first home run of the season in that series. So funny and how that works out. Hopefully that's not the case for Dominic Fletcher. Uh, but James, uh, Chris Getz spoke to the media over the weekend. You were there for us. I was. And it, it raises the question, I, I think, for people with the offseason almost to a close, and we'll recap the offseason, give our offseason grades when spring training starts in a couple weeks. Like, this is my best guess right now at a 26-man roster, and I have Gavin Sheets on there, but you could convince me to take him off and throw somebody in there. The 26th guy. But the point that I'm trying to make for this YouTube video and the live stream right now Anyone that's yellow or pink is going to be brand new to the White Sox 26-man roster from last year. And the only carryovers from 2023 are Andrew Vaughn and Yohan Makata in the infield. You still got Ben Attendee, Luis Robert, of course, Eloy Jimenez. For right now, Dylan Cease, Tuki Toussaint, Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, and uh, Jimmy Lambert. That's I have got Kopech, Crochet, and Lambert now to help out in the bullpen. I think Tuki Tucson, I have a little bit more confidence that he could actually go five innings right now over Michael Kopech, but we'll see on how spring training goes. That's it. It's a lot of new faces coming to the 2024 Chicago White Sox, which is going to make this one heck of a sporical quiz at the end of the, the season coming up here. But as far as the strategy with the offseason and how Chris gets his feeling about his body of work, where does Getz stand right now with the work the White Sox have made this offseason? Uh, you mean like what he said? Yes. <laughs> he said that they like what they've done. <laughs> he did not declare the roster uh, you know, a finished product necessarily. I, I mean, but it's the same kind of um, – he did declare – he did lead to believe that right field is most likely addressed. Uh, okay. uh, I, I would be surprised to see something more significant than more NRIs. I think they need a lot more NRI arms to kind of fill out and give them more uh, bullpen candidates as things currently stand. Uh, he did refer to um, trading men away, saying that he didn't feel like they had done enough to say that they were trading from a surplus because obviously their uh, you know their starting rotation the back half of it is kind of uh, one long tryout but it does seem at least like they are comfortable with the number of tryout candidates they had that they're willing to um, trade Mena who's someone who's just as much as like there are fastball issues that cap is ceiling that you know you don't need to necessarily think about clutching onto him as like a potential top of the rotation or or even like you know two three level guy. Um, someone who's just universally beloved throughout the Sox organization, the fact that they're willing to part from, I think speaks to something, even if I haven't really figured out what it is yet. Um, mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I think finding live arm bullpen candidates, finding, you know, right now you don't have much in the way of stability, but you have, you know, you could look at Spees, you could look at Baroa and, um, you know, what's his face, Jordan Leisure, and see a lot of ceiling in terms of the raw stuff there. Um, that, that seems probably what those clicking, those hitting, finding level strike throwing with them is the probably the best way you can actually see an actual leverage ladder forming out what begins, but the, they, they definitely just need more additions on the level of like a Joe Barlow or, uh, you know, just right. someone with some sort of bullpen experience of, or showing that they can show, throw strikes in high leverage moments that will, uh, you know, the, the goal of ending games as quick as possible, you know, can't happen if no one's throwing strikes after the seventh inning. So they they need to find more of that in, in some way. Oh, obviously probably on a very low level of acquisition. That, that is a good point. doesn't matter how many great defenders that you add to your team, uh, Jim, to James's <laughs> point, like if you have a bullpen that's just walking everybody, then that renders that whole strategy mute. I guess defensively now with all the additions that they have made in the offseason, and we called this out in November, like this seems to be the clear strategy for Chris Getz, at least on the position player side. Do you think he's done that? Is this mission accomplished that, hey, the White Sox defense is going to be better in 2024? Well, it couldn't be worse, but yeah, I think when you look at the uh, up the middle, you know, Maldonado, I guess, would be the one where uh, it's going to be a philosophical debate. Uh, do you include uh, pitching whispering as defense and just uh, aura uh, versus like you know what the actual framing numbers show? Um, so that could be a a point of uh, contention over the course of the season. But uh, you know, Grandal is already kind of falling in that direction as well. So, you know, I, I don't think even if it's a step back, it won't be much of one. But yeah, uh, DeYoung, Lopez, Roberts up the middle, pretty good. Uh, at the very least, should be stable, if not like above average towards gold glove caliber glove work. Uh, Fletcher and Wright, even if he is like pretty short for a right fielder and you can just kind of picture like drives just barely clearing his glove and right. Like we've seen yeah. that plenty already with who the White Sox have trotted out in right field. So that's not really an issue. He should be an improvement. And yeah, now I, now I think it's, you get to the point of, yeah, you get to walks and you get to whether uh, the White Sox bullpen will look like the 2007 White Sox bullpen when they just went with live arms and like after the Matt Thornton success, like, oh, we can just do this with every reliever. Here comes David Ardsme. Here comes Andy Cisco, uh, and, and on and on. And turns out like, oh, you know, there's actually a limit to how much attention he can focus on one player. And if that player will even, you know, not everybody's Matt Thornton. So that's kind of what I think might happen here with Brian Bannister. I just hope it's not like the, uh, my introduction to live ball games at Regents field where we see 13 walk innings, which feels like it's <laughs> vaguely possible through the white Sox have. Um, so yeah, it will be a good test, but I think, Part of me feels having seen this before a while back at the height of like Don Cooper's powers that there might be a little bit of stretching uh, instructors too thin to really get the full benefit of, uh, you know, having one targeted by low uh, candidate who surprises versus like a bullpen mostly full of them. And, and James, back to your point about Christian Mena and how well regarded he was within the White Sox farm system, trading him for Dominic Fletcher. And it's easy to make the tie to Josh Barfield, who joins the White Sox front office from Arizona. From like a beat reporter's perspective, is this a question 
or a topic worth following up, just like how involved Josh Barfield was in finalizing this trade, or at least the target of Dominic Fletcher, because we're still trying to learn. And like, we, we were making a lot of assumptions from the outside on how the White Sox front office is working with this particular trade. I'm wondering other than the ones that are attached to former Kansas City Royals employees during the White Sox front office. We know how the White Sox found them. Okay. We, we know how they got added to the organization, but this particular trade, this is where I'm curious, like how it unfolded and what Josh Barfield's responsibility was. Cause I'm hoping that we can learn and how this front office is going to function moving forward. I guess what I'd be curious about is how much does his valuation of Fletcher maybe differ from, you know, what remains of the Diamondbacks front office right now, who obviously viewed him as kind of a tweener um, who, didn't really have an opportunity to crack their current outfield mix. Now their outfield mix is not, you know, barren by any means. And they are really mm-hmm. heavy on guys. They, you know, have three guys on the roster who can probably play a decent center field. So having somebody uh, like Fletcher, who, you know, is in that little middle ground of, you know, could carry center field his bat, but maybe not the pop that you think in right field is the defense going to be useful enough in right field to, you know, counteract maybe some lack of power there. Uh, whether or not that evaluation really differs from from uh, the Dimebacks feeling like this is a guy we don't necessarily have a view or use for, you know, they're not crazy on on you know the the rub on Mena is kind of um, you know not really seeing if there's further room for growth of this heater because he's kind of physically developed at this point and doesn't have maybe you know really standout characteristics in terms of carrier or ride or sink or any anything that would really distinguish it from a low nineties velocity. Diamondbacks don't necessarily have a big view of it growing either, but still kind of evaluate Mina as being, uh, you know, a better play for them than Fletcher. So, I, I'd be curious if there's someone with the White Sox side, or if, you know, just um, um, him personally, Josh Barfield views uh, Fletcher as having maybe more of a ceiling than you know the larger Diamondbacks front office does, because uh, obviously their the right field situation is in a point where just giving someone a shot, making some use of the the bats they have. Uh, to develop is, is worthwhile, but um, you know, for this to really be worth a squeeze, uh, you got to think there's a little bit more of a, a starter ceiling in Fletcher than maybe you know his his old team thought. Before curling, Jim, I was assuming it was going to be Kevin Pillar in right field on opening day for the White Sox and his 240 on base percentage. We were making those jokes mm-hmm. on the ice that hey, sounds like a White Sox already with that low of on base percentage. We get off the curling sheet and it's going to be one of the topics we'll discuss all spring training between Fletcher and Deloach and who should be the opening day right fielder. That's how I feel right now is the right field situation for the White Sox. And I feel a lot more comfortable in having that debate, mostly because they're new and we have some work to do on our side. We have some homework to study up on them and what they're going to be bringing to the White Sox. But we already know what Oscar Colas and that whole situation with Pedro Grafal. And we know that Gavin Sheets, despite his best efforts, is not a major league right fielder. He may not be much of a major league hitter. You wrote about this on Sox Machine. At least the White Sox, White Sox now have credible options. And I don't know if it makes the 2024 White Sox a whole lot better, but it makes them a lot more interesting. Well, Kevin Pillar still could be the opening day starter. Like if the Tigers throw Tarek Skubal out there, uh, uh, know, if the White Sox are going straight platoon versus yeah, who fans really want to see and kind of building the excitement. So it opening day, 
technically, which is the uh, best form of correct. Pilar is not quite out of the uh, mix yet. Um, One thought I had about the bullpen circling back to that is actually before I I get to that, I'll mention when it comes to right field, like yeah, the White Sox just needed guys who, if they are bad, there's a purpose for them being bad. And if they have like a, a week where they go, you know, two for 23 with 10 strikeouts, it's not because like it's, kind of what Paul DeYoung did at stretches last year, but it's like a guy is trying to learn and trying to get adjusted. Or maybe it's a lefty like uh, Fletcher or Deloche, like facing lefties more often than usual and learning how to face them. So there's actually development that's underneath uh, the struggles here versus just a, you know, signing a guy who's at the end of the line and he's doing the best he can, but uh, not quite cutting it. One thought I had about the bullpen is, you know, let's dare to dream a little bit. Imagine if this White Sox bullpen without a closer somehow fares better than last year's bullpen. Like just Hmm. imagine how embarrassing that would be for a $40 million bullpen and just the whole idea of building a bull. Like maybe that would be a case of just like convincing what's, you know, the, the leftovers of White Sox management. Like, yeah, that was really a bad idea to invest that much in the bullpen without like filling out the lineup or rotation. So that's my hope is that there is something instructive by having all these young unproven arms is, you can go cheap and then like weather some individual struggles and flesh out the entire bullpen later. But for the time being, uh, you know, you can endure the occasional blown lead because, uh, you know, it's worth not spending there. The one thing I'm asking for, for the White Sox. So I guess to close out a game at home with the light show and everything newly acquired reliever this offseason, John Brabia from San Francisco his walkout music, Jim and James, is wham, wake me up before you go-go. And I'm just thinking, how intimidating would that be in the ninth inning to hear Jitterbug? <laughs> and everybody just like dancing like a light show to wham with the White Sox closer coming up. Because, you know, everyone's like into metal or into rap music to pump up and to intimidate the opponent. No, the White Sox in 2024 are going to intimidate their opponents using wham. I love this. The problem with that song choice is that I automatically think of Zoolander at the uh, gas pump, the gasoline fight. And the last thing you want to associate with the reliever is a gas can. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I don't know how much major leaguers are intimidated by music. I mean, if, if Ronaldo Lopez's Halloween theme wasn't like preventing his April ERA <laughs> from being over nine, I don't think there's any, much potential. So uh, maybe like the surrealism can just throw them off their routine uh, to some degree. Though if, if, Liam Hendricks is like a weird DJ remix of We Will Rock You, like looping into this weird, like, and the old pace changes it has wasn't doing it. That maybe it was doing it, and we just need to recreate, uh, you know, only irregular time signatures are allowed for, for bullpen walkout songs. That maybe that will work. Just, just give me one home save opportunity with Wake Me Up Before You Go Go blasting in the ninth inning. Like, just, I just need that once. That's all I'm asking, Jim. It feels like once he records a third out, then you immediately go back into the song. Like it needs to fade <laughs> exactly. out and fade back in to, to capture the mood. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's happy. Let's dance to Wham. Oh. Well, that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Again, James, welcome to Sox Machine. We're super excited to have you on board. Again, this is going to transform our coverage. We have a beat reporter. We'll have someone at the stadium. We'll have someone on the road with access to be able to get the questions that you guys have on your mind and provide more insight, which will help sharpen our analysis 
of what's going on with the Chicago White Sox. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. Monthly plans start at $5. That'll give you full access to all Sox Machine content along with ad-free web and podcasts as well. And there are additional benefits for the higher tiers at $10 and $25 a month. You can also save with an annual subscription. And if you're interested, you can contact Jim and I as well. If you are interested in joining our veterans committee, which serves as our board of directors at Sox Machine. And also don't forget about our live show. Buy your tickets now for opening day eve at the Remova Theater on Wednesday, March 27th. Doors open at 7 o'clock. The show will start at 8 p.m. Buy your tickets at RemovaChicago.com. You can follow us on social media. We're on all the social media platforms. And I got to update this slide. Those who are watching the video, you can follow us at Sox Machine. You can follow me there at Sox Machine underscore Josh. And you can follow James on Twitter if you're not already at J.R. Feigen. Subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. A reminder for those that listen to us on Google Podcasts starting in March, in, starting in March, you will be moved over to YouTube, which you can subscribe to the Sox Machine YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. So the podcast will be there and all of our other videos as well will be at one location at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis and James Fegan, I'm Woo! Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.